You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I'm going to go with the Bears. I think they end up with the number one overall pick in 2023. I hate their roster, and I think they hate their roster based on their waiver claims. When you're claiming that many players as they did last week, you don't love your roster. You like other teams' cast-offs better than your own guys, and that's what we saw. So it's all going to be on Justin Fields. We're going to find out if he is their quarterback of the present and the future this year, and we'll see how that plays out. But I I just don't think this is a team that's going to win very many games. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. That was um, Cherian Williams, something like that. I don't know how to say her name. But she was on with Mike Florio, and the basic question was, which teams have zero chance of making the playoffs? She said she would allow Florio to have the Texans because she knew that that was his least favorite. And She said the team that she thought would be the number one overall pick is the Bears. But I really like what she said, because it's a point that I had made in the past to certain people that don't like to hear it. And that is, particularly I was talking about the offensive line, but just in general, the amount of pickups that they've made, the amount of turnover that they've had really goes to show that they're not satisfied. You can pretend that they love their offensive line and they think they've got a great one, but that doesn't exactly explain why they're constantly, constantly picking guys up to to fix the offensive line or to, I guess, just sit around. I don't know what the point of it is. Same with wide receiver. Every single one of their wide receivers, with the exception of one, is a free agent that they picked up off the street. So I love the way she she phrased it. I hate their roster, and I think they hate their roster. Oh, it's so true. All right, what are we going to do today? I um, I wanted to have some fun. I know everyone's kind of out of out off season mode, but I kind of was into it today. But let's start with news and notes, and we'll see where that leaves us. What or what should we start with? Um, um I, I don't believe the injury report ever came out today, um, yesterday for you. Um, but Alan Lazard did not practice again. That's what you need to know, essentially. Um, Matt LaFleur mentioned that somebody stepped on his foot and he's still out. So I don't know how bad that is. I don't know, you know, it, it, if somebody steps on your foot, you can play football, right? Unless there's something pretty serious um and you try to think what could possibly happen that would keep somebody out after somebody stepped on your foot and you know it could be a broken toe i don't know but it's it's not minor so i don't know we'll see we gotta if there's any doctors out there that want to be the packer net doctor let me know you can uh you know do guest appearances and whatnot and be fun um i do think the rest of the interview with matt lafleur was somewhat i don't want to say useless but there's there's just it wasn't that interesting. Again, we're getting into that time of year when he doesn't really want to talk. So if there's something interesting or useful, 
um, other than yes, I agree, he's not really going to say anything, you know? So they, they, it, it wasn't even so much the questions were bad. They tried to dig into the offensive philosophies and defensive philosophies of the Minnesota Vikings. It's stuff that could be very interesting if you can get an in-depth answer, but this isn't chalk talk with Matt LaFleur, right? He's, he's more or less just going to say, yeah, I think they're a great organization. Yeah, I think he's a great defensive coordinator. Yeah, he's a great offensive coordinator. Yeah, Zadarius is a great football player. On and on and on and on and on. Um, speaking of, we should do the Zadarius thing. So um, Mr. I can never remember his name. Ty some Tyler Dunn, um, famous, infamous Packers writer, at least he used to be. Um, I completely went off on him that time he wrote that article but have since come around and uh, appreciate some of the stuff that he puts out this being one of them he does a great job of providing insights that you really don't get anywhere else whether we like the information or not is a separate issue but basically Tyler Dunn asked the question that we've all kind of been wondering but I guess nobody really I don't know we we were we were we knew something would happen, but we weren't super interested in finding out why. But it is interesting. If I can summarize, and I'll try to go through this um, a little slower. But if I can summarize, what it sounds like happened was very similar. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Martellus Bennett, another not popular person among Packer fans, myself included, um, in fact, for similar reasons, he recently, you know, within the last year, put out a quote about Jimmy Garoppolo. And the quote was, you can't win football with a as a quarterback or something to that effect. And then um, I think it was Edelman was asked about it, and he more or less was like, yeah, I, he didn't say I agree, but it was kind of like I could see why he would say that. And the whole story behind it was essentially Jimmy Garoppolo is in a contract year. His agent didn't want him getting hurt. So right before a game, like on a Sunday or something, he – is like, oh, I, I hurt myself, I can't play. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm really hurting here, I can't play. And he just didn't play. And the team really got upset about it. And they had, you know, Jacoby Brissett come out last minute, and they went out, and I think they lost, because obviously your quarterback has had 50 seconds to prepare. And so the bottom line is the team did not have respect for um, Jimmy Garoppolo because they said, you're, you're, you're faking this. Or at least you're exaggerating, you're being a wuss, we'll put it that way, and you need to suck it up and play football. I get the impression that's similar to what happened with Zadarius because the crux of the story is he's working out, he feels something in his back. And remember, Zadarius wanted, there were, there were contract issues prior to this, right? He wanted something and the Packers didn't give it to him. And in fact, the contract that ended up, Zadarius ended up getting was one that seemed to imply you won't be here for too much longer. Meaning Zadarius is going to have to try to find money elsewhere. Anyways... He, um, he's working out one day, feels a twinge in his back, talks to the Packers doctors and trainers and everything, and based on what Zadarius said, makes it sound like they more or less said, you'll be fine. Suck it up, play through it. He said, nope, not doing that. I'm going to go get a second opinion. He goes out to like California, finds a renowned back doctor, whatever. Doctor says, you know, we're, we can treat this by putting you under the knife. Uh, he decides essentially to presumably go against the team's wishes and gets surgery. I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but he goes with the recommendation of the second, uh, second opinion, and he's down. And then when he comes back, he says he kind of got the cold shoulder from the locker room. 
He said people weren't asking him, how's your back doing? Like they weren't, you know, just, it, you know how it is when you kind of show up somewhere and everybody's kind of being weird. And he's like, what the heck is this all about? And there just seemed to be some kind of a riff. Now, I don't know the timeline of all these things. I can't exactly piece it all together. Probably could if I go back and see. I don't know exactly how this all corroborates with the team captain thing. Did this decision to go under the knife happen? You know what? Let me just look it up. Because I'm guessing that's the order of things. Because it was, I think, just prior to training camp or whatever that he got this pain in his back. And I'm guessing he would have had surgery relatively shortly thereafter. And the Packers just picked team captains like yesterday or today or whatever. So it would have been pretty likely that he had surgery. He came back and then he didn't get voted team captain by his peers and just was really not happy. I'm guessing. I don't know. But that seems to be the way that it sounds, right? I don't know, but you piece it together. He hurt his back. Packers said, you'll be all right. He goes and gets a second opinion, decides to get surgery, comes back, and everyone's like, nah, they're mad at him about something. Now, again, this is from Zadarius's standpoint. It was funny. Um, uh, Matub on Twitter posted something that I think summarized it kind of perfectly. It's just a little gif from The Simpsons, but it's, uh, what's his name? I haven't watched The Simpsons in so long, but, you know, my cat's breath smells like cat food, that guy. Is it like Wilson or something? I don't know. But he says, and I didn't even do anything wrong, and everyone started to be mean to me. He says, and then they didn't make me a captain while my back was hurt. And then no one asked me how my back was feeling. And then there's, you know, whatever, guy makes a phone call about it because he's so angry. But that, that's what it sounds like. You know, from his perspective, like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I'll, all I did was go get back surgery, and I was being nice to everybody, and then everybody was mean to me. You know what I mean? Like, something's obviously left out here. And that's what makes the most sense to me. He's acting like he's got no culpability. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just a great teammate, and the entire locker room turned against him. I just, I find that hard to believe. He, and that's the other thing. He was one of the most beloved guys. He even says in this article, like, I built the culture in that. He did. He was a great person, a great dude, a great role model, all that stuff. And this locker room is super tight. Offense, defense, everybody. So to have the entire locker room kind of be cold to you, come on, man. But let's, uh... Real quick, look at a couple of the specifics here. This actually reminds me very much of the Martellus Bennett situation. Remember, Martellus Bennett got hurt. The Packers doctor basically, probably not remembering this perfectly, but there was a big disagreement about, the. the he basically said they wanted him to play hurt. And uh, the Packers are like, no, that's not true. And all the players are like, no, he's definitely shut us down in the past. It's not a matter of, you know, if we can't go, he's not going to make us go. Here's what Zedaria said. He's, you know, he's saying, okay, what the heck is this? I hurt my back. Go to the trainers. They tell me one thing. I said, all right, I feel like I need a second opinion because this doesn't feel right. It was training camp. It was uh, coming back for training camp. When that happened, I said, let me get a second opinion. They didn't want me to leave because it was training camp. Get what I'm saying? So right off the bat, and, th- and this is where things start to get toxic, right? This is where things become a problem. Zadarius doesn't have a problem with the players. He's got a problem with the team, and he's probably already got a chip on his shoulder about the contract thing. He says he doesn't, but I'm sure he does. So he's already got an issue. He's already got an attitude. Comes in, says he gets hurt, and the team's like, ah, I think you'll be all right. That probably really ticked him off. So now he's really mad at the team. This, team. this team doesn't care about me. They don't want to keep me. They want to just run me into the ground. They don't care about my career. I got to go make money after this, and they're just going to burn me out here. Forget that. I'm out of here. I'm going to get a second opinion. All right? And he says, you get what I'm saying because it was training camp? In other words, not because I'm okay, but because training camp is about to start and they don't want me to leave. That's his perspective on it. 
Smith flew to Los Angeles to see a doctor on an off day, and the doctor told him he had a bulge in his back that was touching a nerve. He advised Smith to shave it down a bit. To him, the linebacker most certainly needed surgery. The word surgery stunned Smith, but he was all in upon hearing that one of the best surgeons would be fixing him up, Dr. Robert Watkins, who had previously made Jace Pierre Paul and Rob Gronkowski good as new. He got the surgery, returned to Wisconsin. The mood, he claimed, completely changed. Skip the first part because I don't understand it. He says, I was like, why, is it, why am I being treated like this? I brought the culture. I helped change this stuff. Why the F am I being treated like that? So again, remember, he's, from his perspective, he didn't do anything. He doesn't have an attitude. He's not causing any problems. He's just great chipper, same old Zadarius. And by the way, players always back up players. It's not like players take the team's side. That never happens. They always got the team's back, not the, not, or the, the, well, they're their team, the players on the team's back, not the admin, the organization's back. So it's not the case that the team is trying to rake him. This is Zedarius's claim, or seemingly making this claim, but that's not what players do. Now, again, in the case of Martellus Bennett and Jimmy Garoppolo, if they feel like you're not manning up sufficiently, or if you're and or if you're moping around the place, constantly just having an attitude, not being the same old Zedarius that brought that same culture. Yeah, maybe people don't want, you know, people don't like hanging out with people with a bad attitude. You know what I mean? The guy that's always complaining about how he hates his job, how he hates it here, how everybody's horrible and the customers are stupid and the bosses are stupid. Nobody wants to hang out with you. And here's the other thing. It's funny. Here's, here's a, uh, so he goes on to say, you know, walking past me, not saying anything. Z, how's your back doing? There was none of that. As you can see, that adds on to why I'm on the other side. So I can go back. I can get back two times a year. So he's mad at the players. So now he's going to be spiteful. Which again, you want me to believe that you're the same old chipper, great, positive, always there to support your guys, but they didn't ask you about your back and now you want to attack them. Okay, maybe. But this is a uh, interesting paragraph that seems like it doesn't say what it thinks it says. To all of us, it seems Smith was upset that the Packers didn't name him one of the seven captains ahead of the 2021 season. Wow, he tweeted then. Head coach Matt LaFleur said at the time, that it was a byproduct of Smith not being around the team through training camp. For what it's worth, in our chat, Smith uh, downplays this captaincy snub and says he was fine with Jair, Amos, and Kenny leading the defense because all three stepped up. So let's just stop here because I think <laughs> I think that's kind of a major thing that they that uh, Tyler Dunn just overlooked. Matt Lafleur said, "Oh no, it's nothing to do with that. It's because he wasn't here. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. He wasn't there." The team is mad at him, supposedly, because he chose to leave when they said you need to stay, right? You can play, you're all right, you know, rest your back or whatever, but you need to stay here. He says, nope, forget you, hops on a plane, goes to see a surgeon, surgeon says you need surgery, all right, I'm, hey, getting surgery, comes back, he misses training camp, and so what do they do? They say, here are the captains, here are the guys who were here for training camp that we're going to consider. Sorry, Z, we love you, but, you know, you weren't here, so. Are you kidding me? That is a major part of this story. And you could say, if you want, that's the Packers being a little spiteful. But it kind of just goes to show that it seems like the team and the coaches were not satisfied, were not happy with what he was doing by choosing not to be a part of training camp. It says, one other source of discontent could also be his contract status. Earlier in the offseason, Smith restructured his deal in a way that opened the door for Green Bay to dump him in 2022. Yet even back then, Smith tweeted he wanted to be a Packer for life. He says, to him, it's simple. His anger is rooted in the Packers wanting him to play when he believed his back required surgery and time off. Fine. That's what he says. 
But I don't believe for a second that he was completely okay with the contract thing, that he wasn't carrying. You know what I mean? This is all building off of, of, of each other. He loved it here. He wanted to be here. He wanted to be a Packer for life. And the Packers basically said no. And, and by the way, they did that so that we could kind of have this whole big thing, right? We want to have everybody. We want to pay everybody. We want to be all in. Okay, well, all in means Zedarius is gone. And they had to push out the money, and so then, then they can't afford him. So in, all, in, in fairness, it's not that the Packers didn't want him. They didn't have a choice. Either we, we tear this thing down, and we kind of just give up and rebuild, or we keep pushing, and we're going to have to start cutting some of our major players starting like next year. And Zadarius was a casualty of that. So they did want him. Just can't afford him. Because you know what? The cap is real. It's not fake. But anyways, that's sort of the crux of it. That's more or less what happened. Um, let's do one more thing here. Because I'm recording this a lot later now, so there's more news. So it's kind of a late practice, but um, here are the injury designations as of right now. Uh, Lazard, again, did not practice. He has an ankle injury, I guess. So they're not saying foot injury. It's an ankle injury. Mason Crosby knee kicked a few balls, so that's good news. Um, he was full participation. David Bakhtiari with a knee injury. Elton Jenkins pectoral and knee injury. Tight end Robert Tunyon knee injury were all limited today in practice. So they didn't come out with the, I guess, official injury report thing, but uh, that's via Mike Clemens for you there. So Mason Crosby, full participant. Wasn't much by way of practice because the media doesn't really get to partake, but got a lot of locker room access, and there's a lot of talk about uh, what Aaron Rodgers had to say. Basically, one of the first things he was asked, I mean, you know, the first thing was about the Minnesota Vikings and nothing super interesting there, but then um, it turned to Zedarius, and he more or less said he just doesn't want to add fuel to the fire. He just, he, he really does not want to talk about it. The first, the first question about Zedarius was, if he gets to you, is there going to be a little extra trash talk? And he's like, no. So, I mean, I guess we'll see, but I don't, I'm not expecting that. And then um, kind of chuckled when he was made aware. And, and, and again, look, it's, it's he said, she said, I'm sure, whatever. But just the way he kind of chuckled was like, you know, it's absurd. The stuff he's running off with and, and the, the team, obviously, and maybe somebody will speak up at some point, but I doubt it. The guys that actually talk are not talking. That would be primarily Aaron Rodgers. I'd be willing to bet at some point somebody will say something. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is basically just saying, I'm not talking about it. That's his side of the story. That's not how I remember it, which is what Matt LaFleur said. That's not, my, that's not how I would have told that story. One of the other things that's been brought up a lot is Aaron Rodgers was asked about Lazard and, you know, has is, is anybody really stepped up to fill his, his role if he, goes, if he doesn't play or whatever? And, um, you know, usually I say... Sometimes guys just throw things around. We can't take things to heart so much, you know, because he said there's about five guys that we expect to play pretty regularly for us. And if somebody goes down, the rest need to step up. It's very easy to say that Rogers could have just picked five out of a hat, you know, and just he's throwing general numbers out. But he sat and thought about it for what felt like 20 seconds. And plus, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's very precise. I'm pretty sure he counted every single one of them. So the question is, who are the five? He is including Alan Lazard in this. So I have to assume it's Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Dobbs, and Watson. There's almost no doubt in my mind that's the five that they're talking about. And again, he is talking about Lazard because the, the context of it is, if Lazard goes down, who's going to step up? And he says, well, we got five guys that we expect to play a lot. So if one of them goes down, including Lazard, 
the other four need to be able to step up. Now, you could say, well, maybe he's not, he's saying it's not Watson or not Dobbs. No, there's no way. He's, he's talked explicitly about Romeo Dobbs and the expectations they have for him this year, and Matt LaFleur said they're trying as rapidly as they can to get him up to speed so that he can get him incorporated in the game plan and everything else. So maybe he misspoke, but it, it very clearly seems like Amari Rogers is being left off that list, which isn't that big of a surprise, but it's, it is worth noting. I mean, he's, he's the backup slot guy. And he's going to be used in somewhat of a gadgety role on top of being the primary kick returner. So he'll be used, but I don't think he's seen as, you know, a a prominent receiver for the Green Bay Packers. In other words, you're going to be out there running routes a lot. The other five, Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Dobbs, and Watson, they are. That's my read of it. Um, Aaron Rodgers was asked, I'll just play it for you. He was asked about the offensive line. Here was his answer. Well, you know, we'll see what uh, Dave and Elton's status is. Very young, very young. Uh, you know, even after those guys, uh, there's going to be young guys suited up for sure, whether or not those guys play. And, you know, we don't have like that swing veteran tackle that we've had in years past or that, you know, older veteran, the Lucas Patrick type guy. Um, so expecting those young guys to be ready to go if, if their number gets called. So. This is obviously a big deal for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, not saying that he doesn't trust them or doesn't like them. And and by young, I mean, obviously these are a lot of the same guys that were there last year. So it's not like they're rookie young. Uh, Royce is young. John Runyon is young. Josh Myers is young. And it was the same group as last year. So, but still that is a concern. And, and, you know, I keep banging that drum, but that's a big deal. You know, when you have a GM saying, takes about three years before guys know what the heck they're doing. And you've got an offensive line that could potentially be five guys. Well, Yash, I guess, has been around long enough. But you might have four guys of the five that don't have those three years. So I think that's an element of concern for him. Kind of an interesting answer um, to, I mean, it's not unusual, but um, I guess just hearing him say it, made me think of a couple things. Well, I'll play what Aaron Rodgers said, and then I'll give you my comments. But the question is more or less about the change in defense you know we've had Zimmer for so long um and now you got this new thing but here, here's what Rogers had to say about that got a little bit of the question yeah here. different for sure uh, a lot of respect for coach Zimmer a lot of battles over the years difficult uh, alignments and pressure packages uh this is you know a little bit more like our defense and the defense has kind of taken over the NFL, as you're seeing. There's, you know, there's uh, trends with the offense and defense, and the defensive trend seems to be a lot of this uh, combo coverage and 3-4 uh, shell coverage uh, that, you know, that, we, that we run, that the Rams you know, have, have run, and that kind of went from there. And very similar you know, Vic Fangio-style defenses. Obviously, Mike's there. And we know Mike, uh, great coach, really smart guy. Um, so, you know, there'll be some some stuff that we see in practice, and I'm sure there'll be some unscouted stuff. So the first thing, obviously, is how crazy it is that the Packers offense and the Packers defense is kind of spreading like wildfire across the NFL. Everybody wants to hire people that do this sort of Vic Fangio defense, I guess you would say, and um, – and sort of the Shanahan offense. Not everybody's doing that, but it's it's really spreading far and wide. Beyond that, though, it, it is kind of interesting and makes me feel good about this matchup because 
the Packers offense is much more familiar with this style of defense. Not that they weren't really necessarily familiar with uh, Zimmer's style of defense, but you got to remember the Vikings aren't even familiar with their own defense, right? The coaches are, but the players aren't. And so Aaron Rodgers has been going up against this style of defense. This, this is what he's come to know. The, the guys he's been going up against in practice, the guys that he's seen every single... The, the defense that he's learned the most about recently is what the Vikings are turning into. Their offense is turning into a Rams offense. Our defense goes up against a similar offense. So yeah, we get accustomed to what the Vikings have done over the years because we see them twice a year. But now they're trying to morph into something that the Packers are very offensively and defensively very familiar with what they do. Not to mention, our defensive coordinator knows a lot about their defense because it's the same style of defense. He can help our offense and vice versa. And again, you can say the same thing about the Vikings, but they're new to this. The Packers aren't new to this offense. They're relatively new to the defense, but it's year two. Beyond that, one other thing that that kind of makes me smile is you start talking about they want to run the Rams defense and they want to run the Rams offense. There are certain teams, whether they're good or not, kind of either have, you know, the, the Lions are a bad team that kind of just have the Packers number. There's something about the way they play football and the way we play football that you know, they, they just thrive in it. And if they had an even halfway competent team, I don't know if we'd ever beat them. The Rams are the, off, the, the, uh, the, the opposite. You know, somebody had mentioned recently, it's, it's a weird thing where the Packers kind of have the Rams number, the Rams have the Buccaneers number, and the Buccaneers have the Packers number. It's not about better, it's about matchup. The Packers match up really well against what the Rams do. And remember, the Rams and the Packers are slightly different. And the Packers and the 49ers are slightly different. I mean, they're similar styles of systems, but they're slightly different. If the Vikings become the Rams, that's good news for us. Because the Rams are, you know, not super great. I mean, they, they are great, but compared for, for us, as far as a matchup, that's, that's why I wanted to face the Rams in the playoffs. Because for whatever reason, we just kind of have their number. It's just a weird matchup thing. The way we play football matches up well with the way they play football. So if that's what they're trying to do, is to get away from the Vikings, which, you know, it's, considering we've been a better team, it's, you know, not, not like we've beat them five out of five times over the last, you know, however many years. But it's been a tough matchup. I, I don't know if I would prefer anything else than for them to try to become the Rams. Because again, there's two different components. There's the quality of the roster, and then there's sort of your, your scheme. And for whatever reason, we match up really well with what the Rams try to do as an offense. It's not about the, the talent. It's not about how good they are. They're a good team. We just don't really struggle against them. So we'll see how this all comes together. Obviously, it's not going to be exactly the Rams because you take that package and you try to sort of extrapolate it into what the Vikings have and all that stuff. But this is, this is day one of their new offense, day one of their new defense. And again, I think the Packers go into Minnesota knowing more about their offense and defense than even the Vikings players do which is obviously a good thing. <laughs> um, if you want to feel less confident about it, there's, um, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of playing all these. It's getting late, but question asked of Aaron Rodgers, usually around this time, do you have sort of a general idea of how the team's going to be? He said, generally, yes. I said, well, how do you feel how it's going to be? He said, generally good. So <laughs> like, oh, that sucks. Thank you. Anyways, the rest was... It, I mean, it's interesting. I just, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> you can go check it out for yourself. He gets snippy with one of the reporters, and that was mildly entertaining. But um, I, I, I get the sense with everything that everybody's ready to just 
start the season. That's that's kind of what where it feels like all even the players are at. You know, what do you think about? I don't know, man. I just we're ready to play real football. We're ready to play. We're ready to do this. I just jumped on with one bar in Lupagus, uh, the Minnesota Vikings guys, and you know they were talking to me, and that was that was my response to things. That was their response to things. It's we've been spending so much time in the theoretical and all that. Everybody's ready to just get started. The players are anxious. The fans are anxious. I think the the the, the reporters are getting anxious, even though they you know. The people writing the articles have to pretend like something super interesting is still going on, so you click on things. But I think they're dying for actual things to happen too, and that's kind of just where we're at right now. We're we're just we're trying to pretend like we're not just dying and starving to death and patiently waiting for the season to come back. But we are we we are starving to death. We are parched. Why don't we take a break? PristineAuction.com. What is that thing? I don't think I can say the ad, but. Dot com. Oh, yeah, yeah, the internet thing. PristineAuction.com. Right back here on the Packernet Podcast. Why? Because they got more cool stuff and they love you guys. And they're like, you know what? They need more cool stuff. So they found a trophy, a Lombardi trophy. They had Jordy Nelson sign it. They called him up on the phone. I'm making most of this up, but bear with me. They're like, Jordy, the fans over at the Packernet Podcast need more cool stuff because they're cool people. Jordy's like, you know what? I got your back. He flew out on his own dime to the headquarters of Pristine Auction out in Wilmington, Delaware. Also made that up. Just the whole thing's fake. Signs the trophy. Kisses the trophy. Puts it under his shirt and does a little skin to skin. Just to, you know, put his aura into it or whatever. I don't know. Rogers explained it to me, but it was confusing. I asked him when I called him the other day. And then he packaged it himself in the package that the trophy comes in. And this is what you'll be receiving, maybe. Head over to pristineauction.com. Click on the button that says register. Put in the registration code FARV, F-A-V-R-E. Why FARV? I don't know, dude. Just do it, all right? Don't ask questions. Always asking questions all the time. Just trying to help you. But that's not all. Not only are you maybe going to get this amazing skin-to-skin trophy from Jordy Nelson, signed with his real name and a certificate of authenticity that's going to tell you, promise you, that he really did all those things. But they're going to give you $10 off because when you're on Pristine Auction, you're going to see all the other cool stuff and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to bid on that because that is such an amazing price. And then you're going to win it and they're going to say, you know what, we're knocking $10 off that. And you're going to sit there and go, why are you doing this? Why are you so good to me? I don't deserve this. And they're going to look at you and say, I know, but love isn't about merit. You don't earn love. Click. There's like a pause and then they hang up the phone. It's kind of dramatic. Uh, it's also, they have an actual phone that clicks, you know, wall phone or whatever. <clears throat> so, so that's it. PristineAuction.com, register Favre. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support this podcast directly, you can do so for as little as just a buck. You know what? Here's a dollar. Is this podcast super great? No, but what did I just tell you about love? I don't have to earn your love or your money. <laughs> you just you just give it to me. Apparently you weren't listening. That's how that works. What else? I think that's it. Um, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, like I said, I'm kind of feeling uh, in somewhat of an off-season-y mood a little bit, you know, just have a little bit of fun. And so I kind of want to try my hand at uh, doing all this stuff everybody else has been doing. Because as fun as it is to just sit back and say, you're an idiot, I want to take a swing at it. And I, I kind of came to that conclusion when um, I saw Sharp Football, whatever, put out the five most accurate quarterbacks. And I looked at it and everybody hated it. And then I said, yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. Why is Rapey McForehead trending on Twitter? Um, anyways, I'm going to start with, and this is going to be NFL-wide because it wouldn't make sense for the Packers. You could, but, I mean, it's just doing the same thing we've done a thousand times. And if you're going to get upset with me picking winners of awards that are not the Green Bay Packers, including Aaron Rodgers, then probably we should just call it a night, all right? And we'll talk tomorrow. Love you. Take it easy. If I'm picking a quarterback... We're just going to go through the positions. My guy, and it's it's not even necessarily based on age, it's Joe Burrow. Easily the most accurate quarterback in all the NFL. And, and by the way, I'm not just saying this based on I watched football. I didn't. I didn't watch more than eight seconds of Joe Burrow throwing a football around. And it's the people that like watched a lot of football that think that they know when I'm looking at some pretty advanced data and statistics here. Here's what I did to come to that conclusion. I looked at, and I've done this before with Aaron Rodgers and whatnot, and we, we, when, when I looked at it for Aaron Rodgers, what I came to the conclusion of is if you remove MVS from the equation, Aaron Rodgers is extremely accurate. But I can't do that. But I can say that it may go up again this year. But anyways, here's the, the crazy thing. Anything under 10 yards, I don't really care about, right? I mean, if you're accurate on a four-yard pass or behind the line of scrimmage, that's cool. Don't super care. But 10 yards and beyond. 
And again, if you're just going to get upset that Rodgers isn't number one and everything, then that's that stinks. But uh, Rodgers is sixth. Joe Burrow is number one, depending on how many passes you think are acceptable. 74.4% of his passes, 10 yards and beyond, were on target. They This is SIS. They separate into catchable and on target. So kind of an off-target pass that the receiver still should be able to catch is catchable. On target is that ball was exactly where it needed to be. 10 yards and beyond, almost 75% of his passes were on target. Kyler Murray was number two at 70. It's a pretty big jump. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I was looking at Matt Ryan, 73.6, then Kyler Murray at 70. Matt Ryan also extremely accurate. But those are just 10-yard passes. you got some other guys that are that are on this list that are pretty high that are about to fall off because you start adding distance, and they're not quite as good anymore. 20 yards and beyond, Kyler Murray is number one. Joe Burrow is number two, 66.7%. Joe Burrow, 66.1%. It's another thing. Kyler Murray, and I've said this before too, Kyler Murray last year was not a good runner. I've said that a thousand times, but his passing, that dude figured it out. That's what scares me about Arizona. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if that dude's going to be able to put it together or what. He was one of the better passers of the football last year. And, and I think everybody stopped liking him because they just want runners to be runners, which, again, annoys the living crap out of me. You're fast. You should just run all the time. No, he sucked when he was really good at running. Now that he stopped running so much in his passing, he's an elite passer. 30 yards and beyond, Joe Burrow, number one. 69.7% of his passes are on target. Still hovering at 70%. Matt Ryan is second at 62%. Again, giant drop-off of almost 10%. 40 yards and beyond. Kirk Cousins is in second place, 55.6%. You know what Joe Burrow is at? 13 attempts, 85%. 84.6% of his passes, 40 yards and beyond, were on target, right on target. Receiver didn't have to slow down, didn't have to turn around and catch it, nothing. And just for fun, why not look at 50 yards and beyond? It's a, it's a tie. It's a nine-way tie. But, um, I'm sorry, that was catchable. It's a seven-way tie. Seven quarterbacks were 100% on target from 50 yards and beyond, and yes, Joe Burrow was one of them. One target beyond 50 yards. It was exactly on target. There is nobody more accurate, and I know accuracy isn't everything, but there is no more precise thrower of the football in the NFL than Joe Burrow, and it's really not even close. Kyler might be kind of the... The way I see it, it's Joe, then a little dip, and then Kyler, then a massive drop-off, and then it's a couple other guys. Then there's like two or three other guys, and then it just completely falls off a cliff. So you got a young guy already beyond elite. Jamar Chase is on, in another stratosphere, maybe arguably wide receiver one in the NFL this year. We'll see how it goes. I think the Bengals are going to... Somebody had made a comment that I don't know that the Bengals are that much better than Baltimore. Are you out of your freaking mind? I, I don't understand that. So Joe's my guy. And, and I think, you know, last year, one of the big issues is because he's so young. But if he comes onto the scene and blows it up a little bit with the touchdowns and the, you know, gets the interceptions down a little bit, I think Joe's pretty special talent. Best wide receiver group in the NFL. Not even kidding. I think it might be the Cincinnati Bengals. (laughs) Um, If you look at PFF, for example, only team with two top 10 wide receivers is the Bengals. Jamar Chase was seventh. T. Higgins, they have ninth. Um, you know, a lot of credit's going to be given to, for example, the Minnesota Vikings because of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, but Thielen is on the decline a little bit. He was, I think, outside of the top 32 based on um, PFF's ranking. 
Buffalo Bills are also in contention. I still would probably take the Bengals. Best offensive line, there's a couple in competition, but I'm going Eagles. I just, I think they have a phenomenal offensive line. Um, A lot of it is based on some older players like uh, Kelsey, which could easily not be exactly as good as as he has been because he's 35 years old. It's also Lane Johnson, who's 32 years old. So if you see a dip in their production, then there's, you know, an issue there. Uh, the Cleveland the Cleveland Browns have a good offensive line. The Patriots actually could have one of the better offensive lines, depending on Cole Strange. I think they don't necessarily have the top end firepower like the Browns with like a number one guard and the Eagles with like th- you know three top ten guys, two top five guys. Um, but they don't really have a weakness. They they've got you know pretty much top twenty, top fifteen, top ten across the board over in New England. Top tight end is a little bit boring, but. You know, I think Dallas Goddard should be paid close attention to, easily the most underrated. Um, He was graded as the second highest, but he also had kind of a breakout. And you've also got some of the older guys, Kelsey and and Kittle and whatnot, that are, you know, they're the big names, and they're still very, very good, but I don't think they're getting better as the years goes on. Dallas Goddard is going into like year four, year five, something like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is the clear numero uno. By the way, the Eagles, man, in contention for offensive line, tight end, wide receiver, across the board. I mean, scary-looking Bengals, scary-looking offense. Um, Running backs. I've said it before, and I'm standing by it. I think the Packers have the best running back duo in football. Most people would probably pick Cleveland. But again, if you look at it, and we're talking well-rounded here, we're not just talking running the ball, we're talking blocking, we're talking receiving. So overall offensive grades, we have the number three and the number five running back in all of football. Cleveland's two running backs rank 7th and 8th. So both of our guys rank higher than both of their guys. There's really nobody else that's even close. Jonathan Taylor was number one. Uh, The next guy in Indy is, don't even know. He's not in the top 25 that I can see looking here. New England is the only one that's close. Damian Harris ranked number two, and Ramondre Stevenson was 10th. But again, give me 3rd and 5th overall. And and A.J. Dillon's just getting started. He He had basically a redshirt year. His first year ever starting, which is his second year, he was graded as the third highest graded running back in all of football. Yeah, give me that, please, all day. Defensive line. I'm just talking like defensive tackles. I'm not talking pass rushers. So that's not four, three defensive ends or three, four outside linebackers. Interior defensive linemen. And I got to tell you, man, there is no position that is more hard up than defensive tackle. Almost every single team has just terrible defensive tackles. I don't know if it's something to do with the way offensive and defensive football is played these days, that being a defensive tackle is hard. Maybe it just has to do with how PFF grades, but um, the defensive tackles across the board are just terrible. Um, I will say it's tough to compete with the Rams. Having Aaron Donald gives you an automatic boost. Um, They've also got uh, Ashawn Robinson from Alabama, uh, he's been pretty up and down, but had a pretty solid year last year. Um, Aaron Donald maybe had something to do with that. Baltimore Ravens um, with Calais Campbell and Michael Pierce is a pretty solid pairing. Miami is real good, but one of the guys that's graded high, I don't know if I necessarily buy it. He had kind of an outlier year, seventh round pick. Maybe a little bit unfair that I'm not giving him his due, but Christian Wilkins, phenomenal. He just continues to get better every single year, and that's something you want to bet on that he's going to continue to improve. But then on top of that, they got my man Raekwon, who, um, listen, he struggled a little bit, you know. Did he rank in the top 10? No. 
Did he rank in the top 50? Not exactly, but he was close. Was he in the top 100? Almost. Out of 108 defensive tackles, where did he rank? You know, I mean, was it better than 107th? No. Was he dead last? Technically, yes. But he's trying. <laughs> I'm actually really concerned or, or concerned and confused about he did get injured in the beginning of the year. Maybe that had somewhat of an impact. He had a really good rookie year, solid rookie year, and then was the worst defensive tackle in football. What the heck? You know what? We should go get him. We should go get Raekwon. Dude, I got to call Goot. Anyways, I'm, I hate to do it. I'm going to go with the Rams just because nobody's going to beat this. And no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to pick the Packers. Aaron Donald is way better than Kenny Clark and the rest of the guys we have. I, again, Dean Lowry is, he's fine. He's not a top 10, probably not a top 20, maybe top 30 guy. Maybe, probably not, to be honest, because top 32 would be number one on most teams. So top 50, we could call him. And again, if we're looking at PFF, Jaron Reed is not as good as Lowry is. Don't have to. We can just say that's fake and Jaron Reed is a freak. That's fine, but I'm not. Anyways, Edge, I think we got a chance. I don't think we win, but it's worth considering. (laughs) Again, if you look at just what happened last year, Rashawn Gary ranked 5th and Preston ranked 12th. Now, again, I kind of think Preston's going to take a step back, but Gary could take a step forward. Who are we competing with? I mean, Buffalo has Von Miller, but I don't know. I guess I shouldn't count out Von Miller, but also they don't have much. You know, Gregory Rousseau going into year two, maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, I know Buffalo's good. I'm so sick of the hype. They don't have the best offensive line. They don't have the best quarterback. They don't even have a good tight end. They don't have the best wide receivers. They don't have anywhere near the best running back. Defensive tackles are subpar. They got Von Miller. They got mediocre corners. Really good safeties and medi- mediocre linebackers. So, you know, they're they're not terrible anywhere, but I think the Packers are better almost everywhere. You know, not wide receiver, maybe offensive. When our tackles are back, we have a much better offensive. I just, I don't care. They got a high-flying offense that can put up 50 points, and then they win a bunch of games, so I don't, whatever. Um, yes, the Browns have Miles Garrett. They don't really have much else. Jadavian Clowney's not very good, so no, I'm not picking the Browns over us. Dallas, same situation. Most teams are this way. Most teams with really good pass rushers don't have that other guy. They got Lawrence and nothing. Technically, they have Parsons, but if they're calling him an inside linebacker, I'm calling him an inside linebacker. So sorry, you don't get points for that. I think the best pass rush duo probably has to go to the Chargers. Um, We'll have to see, but I mean, you're talking Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And I know Khalil Mack is a little bit on the downswing, but You've also got a ton of veterans that had like their worst years ever in Chicago last year. Allen Robinson had an uncharacteristically freakish off year, down year. Khalil Mack had the worst year by far of his entire career. And yeah, you could say, well, he turned 31. So what? This dude is, he lives in the 90s overall and he gets a 73 BS. Injury or not, I don't care. Akeem Hicks, same thing, uncharacteristically bad. Eddie, Eddie Goldman. Just, I mean, it's been a couple years for him, but he just forgot how to play football in Chicago. It's just a cancerous situation. I think Khalil Mack, especially with Bosa on the other side, I mean, if I had to pick, that's, I mean, come on. These are, that's insane. <laughs> just freaking, freaking unfair insane. The Vikings are worth mentioning if Zadarius can get back. I mean, if Zadarius and Hunter play at their best, that could be the unit. But again, I think, 
for both guys, they had their one-off years, which is in the same year. I don't think they'll ever see that again. Um, so I would not necessarily consider them. The Saints should be in consideration. Uh, Davenport and um, Jordan, Cam Jordan, probably I would put ahead of the Packers. Steelers, I would not. They have Watt and nobody else. Hayward, but he's on the inside. 49ers, same thing. Bosa and and who cares? So I, I think those are kind of the, the, we'll call it the big four as far as pass rush duos. You got the Vikings, the Packers, the Chargers. Who the heck else did I say? Somebody else. So the Packers are in the mix. I'd probably put them third best pass rush duo. Corners, everybody's going to say the Rams. I don't really know why, but everybody's going to say the Rams. It's not the Rams. They have Jalen Ramsey. Cool. He's real good. They don't have the best corners. They have one good corner and a bunch of just, oh my goodness, these guys are terrible. Um, I think Baltimore's probably going to get a lot of love. I don't buy it whatsoever. Um, Marlon Humphrey had a really big down year last year, and he's always been good, not great. He's not on Jair's uh, level. And then Marcus Peters kind of similarly is very up and down with his production. Um, Even if both of them are at their best, I take the Packers corners. It'll, It'll be close, but they don't have a third. And uh, I still think we could have two guys that could match their production. The Bills be another one. Probably get a lot of love. I don't buy it. Browns aren't bad with Ward and Newsom, but Jair's better than Ward. And, um, I, you know, whether we, I guess we'll see. Greg Newsom's going into year two, but I'd take Razul in the slot over him, and I would take Stokes on the boundary over him. They've also got Greedy Williams going into year three. So maybe if they both break out, then the Browns could have a better situation, but they both would have to break out in order for that to happen. Cowboys are going to get love because of digs. I think their corners suck. The Colts do have Stephon Gilmore, um, but that's kind of it. Kenny Moore isn't bad. Um, again, you would need Stephon Gilmore to be at his best, and even then, they've got a third guy that's horrific. The Dolphins have Zavian, but that's about it. Patriots are renowned for corners, but they don't have it this year. The uh, Saints, they got Lattimore. I mean, that's about it. Paulson Adebo is going into year two, so maybe, but I would take the Packers. Believe it or not, the Jets could be in contention. Um, they've got a guy, DJ Reed, that's actually really solid. And then it really comes down to Sauce Gardner. If Sauce Gardner comes into the NFL as a rookie and tears it up, even then, again, it's kind of iffy because you got rookie Sauce Gardner, you got a top 10 guy in Reed, and then you got a terrible slot guy. So we already win the slot for sure. Um, then if Gardner's like top 20, then we got a top 20 and a, and a top 10. Well, that might be about what we have, anyways. So. Again, the Jets are sneaky better, at least on paper, than anybody's going to give them credit for. I doubt they're going to put it together because it's the Jets, but, dude, they got pass rushers. They got a defensive tackle, at least. They got some corners. They got some safeties. They got a good offensive line. They got some decent wide receivers. They got solid running back. I mean, if Flacco can come in and be mediocre, they might win a handful of games. Um, Buccaneers have decent corners. I don't know that they have that truly elite corner, but they've got some good ones. Jamel Dean is pretty solid. Um, Carlton Davis is pretty solid, but again, I, I take the the Packers, especially with Sean Murphy bunting in the slot. That dude is just not good. So yeah, I would take, uh, I think the Packers have the best corners. I don't know that it's even worth looking at linebacker. I would be stunned if anybody has better linebackers than the Packers. Um, I guess I will. And it's, it's speculation based on Quay Walker, but I just, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think that there is. <laughs> I'm sure the Bears fans think that they have better linebackers. Oh, makes me laugh. Well, let's check Bears fans. What do we got here? We got uh, Matthew Adams, who um, has hardly ever played football. Uh, last year's 60 overall grade in his three snaps. 
Um, 2019, last time he played before that, 44 overall grade. You got Nicholas Murrow, uh, 63 overall grade, which is a massive upgrade. And then, of course, Roquan with his great 47 overall grade. So it's close, man, but I don't think the Bears are going to edge out the Packers at linebacker. Dallas does have Parsons, but again, I just feel like that's cheating. Jabril Cox, though, had a pretty solid rookie year. Mm, something. Colts are decent. Um, problem is they're a 4-3 team, and they got a third guy that's trash. It'd be hard to be a 4-3 team, dude. There's not a lot of good linebackers in the NFL trying to get three of them. Good luck. I guess that's a problem with defensive tackle, though, too, if you're a 3-4. I don't know. It, it all comes down to Quay. I mean, we, we have a, and, and I guess it comes down to Dre as well, repeating what he did last year, but I mean, he, he's arguably the number one linebacker in football. If Quay is anywhere near top 20, give me the Packers linebackers, hands down. And finally, safety. Um, again, I don't think the Packers are going to be there, but if Savage can be a, a solid safety, they're, they're certainly in contention. Uh, Baltimore has a couple good safeties. The Chargers have some good safeties with uh, Derwin and, and Adderley. Um, curious about Adderley because he was real bad his first two years, but kind of took a step. If he takes another one, then you've got a great duo. Not really the case in Baltimore. They got one guy that's super solid, another guy that's just never going to be. He's just kind of, you know, mediocre. Vikings are certainly in contention. Uh, if Cam Bynum is is legit, he didn't play very much last year, but as a rookie, 78 overall grade. Vikings always have good safeties. Um, and of course, Smith is just a stud every single year. There is a slight decline, but not enough compared to everybody else that I've seen. On top of that, speaking of seen, they got seen. So if things with Bynum don't work out, there's always that option. Uh, Patriots have some really solid safeties, but... Um, the award is going to go to the Tennessee Titans. They've got Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker. Last year ranked as the number one and number three safeties. So um, Hooker absolutely broke out last year. Byard has just been a solid guy for many years. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, and, and the Packers aren't going to be number one in every category, but they're close. They're, they're certainly top ten safety duo. Number one, certainly top five linebacker duo. Number one, in my opinion, cornerback group certainly top five edge again I put them third I think they're certainly top five in that conversation defensive tackle I don't know exactly where they would rank but um, again most teams really suffer there so probably possibly top five certainly top 10 so again on paper the defense is is crazy Packers offensive line when the two tackles come back top 10 contention without them maybe not wide receivers I don't know I'm not gonna even try it's it's not great <laughs> but we got to see what guys can do though um with no Devontae again other guys are gonna step up we'll see what the rookies can put together maybe they are gonna end up being a pretty solid unit um number one running back group again I I, I took Joe Burrow as my top guy just in terms of what I think is gonna happen this year I, th- I also took the wide receiver situation into account and he's got a better one than Aaron Rodgers has but is Rodgers in number one contention? Yes. Is he top five? 100%. So, I mean, really across the board, and again, I'm so tired of the on-paper stuff because it needs to be put in action, like, you know, in the playoffs and stuff. But this is a team that's that's just top 10 at just about every position. So I had fun. I got it out of my system being able to make my own little list. Um, top this, that, or the other. But I got to get out of here. I got to get going to bed. You folks have yourselves a wonderful day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.